0: Welcome to another faith-building message by Pastor Phil Pringle, leader of C3 Church. For more information about Phil and C3, please visit myc3church.net. Yes, this, uh, this series, Heart to Heart, um, it is, it's, it's an interesting uh, concept to try and understand the heart of God. And as we go into this, uh, I believe there's one story in the Bible that really is applicable to us here today. I mean, there's every one of them are. There are thousands of stories in the Bible that we can take and apply to ourselves. But this one is, uh, is found in Luke 10, verse 25. And uh, I'll read it to us, and then we'll, we'll pray as we come into understanding what Jesus is telling us here. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, "'What is written in the law? "'What is your reading of it?' So he answered and said, "'You shall love the Lord your God "'with all your heart, with all your soul, "'with all your strength, and with all your mind, "'and your neighbor as yourself.'" And he said to him, "'You've answered rightly. "'Do this, and you will live.'" But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, "'And who is my neighbor?' Then Jesus answered and said, "'A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho "'and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, "'wounding him.'" departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell amongst the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. You know, uh, all through the, the gospels, it's not hard to see Jesus speaking to multitudes of people bringing bread and loaves and fishes of, and having miracles happen amongst the multitudes. But even more than that, it may be two three times more, we actually have stories of him talking to individuals like Nicodemus, like the woman at the well, like Simon Peter. Jesus is not just interested in having a big crowd. He actually is interested in having a personal relationship with every single person in this room. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help me articulate the feelings that you have towards people all over this world, and that, Lord, we truly would be an echo of heaven, a reflection of your heart every time we meet somebody every day of our lives, that we would develop the habit of loving others in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. In the the story of the Samaritan woman, he's just stopped by a well, and he's... He's looking for a drink of water. And the woman comes because she's got a bad reputation in town. She can't go to the well in town. So she's come to this one outside town. And he says, can you give me a drink? And she says, whoa, just hang on a minute. You're a Jew. You're a rabbi. You're a male. None of those things mean that you should be talking to me. None of those things really mean that, I mean, you, you are crossing a lot of cultural boundaries here that, we all feel, and it's, it feels awkward when you do that. And he begins to talk to her, and he actually has insight into her life about how many husbands she has had. She's had five. He says, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now isn't your husband. And so she's shocked. She says, wow, you're a prophet. You can see into my life. And, and he, she goes into the city and tells everybody, I think i met the prophet of God. I think i met the Messiah. So they all run out to actually hear from him. And he talks to them about God and heaven, and they all start to believe. The thing is about crossing over cultural divides is, is something all of us could do a whole lot more. In the story about the other Samaritan, we read about how that the priest passed by on the other side and the Levite passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan actually got involved and started to help this wounded person. When, uh, when Chris and I first, first were born again, when we first met Jesus, it was in a church where I think the youngest person was 85. The youth leader was like 120. Uh, their culture was nowhere near even... I'm not sure they even had telephones in their homes. I think they just yelled at each other across the street and they were... They were from another era. Chris and I were hippies, 19 and 18-year-olds, kind of people that the church didn't like much. Dirty, drug-taking, you know, rejects, people who rebelled against their parents and just the kind of non-Christian kids that the Christians didn't really appreciate and had all sorts of bad things to say about them. But we got born again in a church with people of that era. And they were exactly the opposite, to that. They were not judging at all. In fact, uh, the, first, uh, the first week or two, uh, Chris and I got very convicted about how we were living and decided to get married. Uh, and so it was like three and a half weeks after we got born again, we got married. And the whole church turned up uh, to the wedding. And they brought all these gifts. They made Chris's dress. They baked the cake. They arranged everything. Somebody hired a mini. So that we could go on a honeymoon up to Fox Glacier or wherever it was. And we, uh, we were just looked after. Then we found, we found that every, every weekend we'd get invited back to someone's home for lunch after church. There were the Milns. I remember every one of them. All their names, how they looked. The Milns were possibly the oldest people in the church. They were 340 years old. They had like blue veins and 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 quaky and from another age like they, they just never watched television they'd only ever read books that were you know like plato and uh that they, they were they were just old but but the love they had and the care they had for Chris and I and the non-judgment and and they brought us into their they beautiful house that obviously mean people of reasonable wealth. And They had a beautiful home up in the Mount Pleasant Hills of Christchurch. And they had all this fine crockery, you know, the blue, what do they call it? Woodford, Woodward stuff? Wedgwood, there you go, thank you. <laughs> and they got this, all this fine crockery, and we were, you know drinking tea and eating cucumber sandwiches. And then we'd go to sleep on their couch for the afternoon because we were looking after this big commune with hundreds and hundreds of people getting converted and saved and coming to Christ. And so they'd sort of be a, a refuge for us each weekend. There was, and then there was Bill and Myrtle Wade. Now, Bill, he was, he was the worship leader in the church. He was young. He was 83. <laughs> and he was a practical joker. He would, he, there were curtains on the stage. And the, the meeting would be about to start. And he'd leap out from the, behind the curtain, say, then shall Christ appear. <laughs> Everybody take your red hymnal and we're up from the dead he arose in a mighty triumph for his foes. You remember that, the red hymnal? Redemption hymnal. And uh, we would sing those songs and, and he would lead the choruses like this. We had an organist and a violinist. I'm telling you the music was like nothing we'd ever heard in our lives. We were all uh Hey, Jude. You know, all those, or, or else crazy stuff, Led Zeppelin, all that. But, but here it was an organ and a violin and a squeeze box and a guy, an 84 year old guy leading worship. You'd think, that's not a cool church. That, how, how are you going to hang around there? Well, they, they just loved us they crossed the cultural divide. Bill Wade, he, uh, he was an ex-motor sales guy, sold the spare parts, you know, and he now he's retired. And uh, if I said I need a 5.6 bolt, he said, oh, that's an SJ6740. I said, what do you mean? He says, oh, that's the number on the box in the warehouse. He knew every part of every car by, by a little identity number. He, he didn't even need Files just had his brain and remembered all these parts and uh, and so he and I'd make sure there was something wrong with my van every week so I could just to lie get to lie under the calf tinkering around talking about Ezekiel's wheels and the revival amongst the Mennonites that he'd play on his tape recorder he was so excited uh, about God and about everything he went to heaven he, and I'd say tell me the, tell me the time you went to heaven again And he'd tell me I'd be just stoked, but they were like People of another planet, and then there was Laurie and Dot Beauvais. Laurie, he was about ninety. He read the scripture over me at my baptism, and it was, uh, "If God is for us, who can be against us?" Uh, You're now baptised in the name of the Father, Son. Down <laughs> I went. I remember him there with his hair swept back, real fine old looking, uh, like out of a out of one of uh, uh, Hitchcock's movies, you know, uh, just standing there, not the horror ones, but. Uh, <laughs> Here he was, and, and, and all of those people I can remember, it wasn't a follow-up system that you went to a class after 24 hours and tried to figure out what the church believed in that. It was just the belief system was inside these people, and the, the follow-up system was the people. And for us to love others, it isn't just having a warm, gushy feeling, it's taking them out for lunch. It's including them in your world. And all of us are relational creatures. And we will feel a very deep emptiness in our lives, a very deep loneliness in our lives if we don't bond with other people, if we don't actually do something for other people. When we are always wanting the world to do things for us, when we are always wanting everybody else to bless us, even God, and as preachers, I think we're guilty sometimes of just setting an entirely consumeristic, meistic Christianity up, where God's going to bless you if you do this. And God's going to touch you if you do that, if you just reach out. But in the end, let me tell you, your greatest blessing in life will come when you bless somebody else and you see their lives transformed and changed and you'll find that you've got a meaning in life that is a blessing to them. Having a great ministry doesn't mean that you're famous and that you're, you're, you're known everywhere. Having a great ministry means that you have touched and impacted and brought transformation into other people's lives because you've loved them and you've healed them, and you've helped them somehow. If you can make that a habit every day of your life, can you imagine how much of all of us in here and all of us around Sydney and all of us through C3, the C3 movement, 120,000 people tomorrow go out with a view of I'm going to touch a person's life today. Whether it's a Christian, whether it's a, a person who hasn't been to church yet, whether it's a person who used to come, I'm going to be that person who reaches out to them. And so Jesus gives the story, of this this person who has traveled from Jerusalem down to Jericho, a 25-kilometer journey. And it's a journey that priests and Levites would often travel because in Jerusalem was the temple and many of them lived in Jericho. But on this particular day, this gentleman was robbed. He was beaten and he was left half dead. Now it says... The priest, he, he saw the situation, but he decided, no, I, I, I got a church meeting to get to. No, I, I, got, I got my prayer time. No, I, I've got some religious stuff I need to do and, and pass by. And sometimes our agenda, even, even our religious agenda, can get in the way of actually doing what God has wanted us to do. That's to touch other people. We can even justify our non-involvement in somebody's world because what we're doing is religious. It's for God, for goodness sake, isn't it? And I'm meant to be doing. I mean, honestly, I find this regularly. I walk the beach at an early time every morning. Uh, I'm, if, when I'm in town, I'm down there at 5.30, whatever. And regularly, there'll be people who just arrive towards the end of that, you know, who know me. And this morning... God bless this lady, you know, she came up. I could see her looking at me with that knowing look. I'm just walking along, seeking God and and praying. And and I could see her, she's got the the knowing look. Pastor Phil Pringle? Yeah. I then have to make an adjustment. I got 20 minutes to get home, have a shower, and get down to that 8.30 a.m. chapel meeting. I want to pray. I I got to get anointed. Amen. I got... I, 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 but here's this girl and she's so switch off the other agenda the person in front of you is the one God has put there and he's going to actually he's actually I think at the end of time it's not it's, it's not going to be too many things he's worried about what, the way we've lived it'll be how you have treated the people right in front of you how we have treated the people right in front of us we could sit in church and write a check for $10,000 for the missionaries in Borneo and say, yeah, I've done my thing and walk out and curse somebody for getting in their way when in the traffic. And, and we want to bless them, but God help anybody who gets in our way. But here I am talking to this girl and leading into it. And so I, I determined I'd stop, fold my arms and, you know, just really get interested. I don't mean fold my arms and disinterest. I mean actually get interested in in what you're saying. Because I think that's the point even more. Because if we don't switch off our agenda, we pretend we're interested. Love needs to be genuine. It needs to be, I'm enjoying this person. And if you want people to enjoy you, you need to start by enjoying them. That's called love. I love being with this person. I'm not resenting it. People are not an interruption in your life. And for a task-oriented personality, people are always interrupting my task. I got things to do. How could you think you're more important than the thing than the the spreadsheet list that I've got to get finished? And when you get to heaven, God's going to say, oh, so glad you finished that spreadsheet. (laughs) Right? Going to say, so glad, so glad you fixed your, your widget. Oh, yeah. So glad you ignored that person who's bleeding and dying on the side of the road, inside themselves, and you got that spreadsheet nailed. Ah. No, it's God is into people. He loves people. And for us, that follow-up system in that church was the best I've ever come across. Because it was people crossing a cultural divide that I didn't anticipate they would to actually embrace me and include me in their home, in their house. To, to drive me around the city, to, to make Chris's wedding dress for her, to bake the wedding cake for us, to get involved in our world and not be all about themselves, but actually seek to be a blessing. And I'll speak about them for the rest of my life because of, and I'll remember their names to the, to the person. And so will Carrie Sondikoff because she was there in that church 11 years old, and her mother was one of the most primary influences on my young Christian life. She was so on fire for God, so into the Word of God, that I'd go to her for my haircuts. She was a hairdresser out at Sumner in Christchurch. And I'd sit in her little, she'd be doing my hair and telling me about Jesus, and she was just so full on. And she's such an evangelist. She'd tell me about how to reach people for Christ. So many different things in that church. And again, there wasn't like we were she was a cool person, I was, she was a hippie, I was a hippie, we could get along. No, there weren't any other of those kind of people in that church. It was the love of Christ that crosses every cultural divide that there is. Every ethnic background, every different of race, every difference of language. The love of Jesus is an international universal language that we can connect with other people for. So this guy comes by and he sees The the, the priest and the Levite, they're avoiding him. they got religious stuff. But the Samaritan, who's not that religious, and I would like to think that we're not that religious. I've had people say to me, I said, come down to church. Oh, I'm not religious. I thank God, neither are we. (laughs) And I hope we're not. I think sometimes we do get a little caught up in our religiosity, but I'd like to think that we are able to relax that area and think of ourselves as a human reaching out to another human. And here is somebody who's half dead, which means they're half alive. They're not born again. Anybody who's half dead has been born in the flesh, but their spirit is still dormant. It's still dead. And you must be born again, Jesus said. It's the destiny of every human being. Just like a butterfly is to be transformed from that caterpillar into a butterfly. So every human is destined. Every human. The difference is that we have a choice. The butterfly, the forces of nature make it happen. But the force of our will, when we're presented with Christ, is for us to say, yes, I will receive that new life that he's got for me. And so the man also has oil and wine and bandages. And he bandages the wounds up. Let me, let me say this Not that we should take advantage of people's vulnerability, but there are times when people have deep needs in their lives and that is a beautiful time to walk into their world with Christ, with the love of God. Their openness to believe and to receive is very high. And if you've got oil and wine, if you've been up the mountain, if you've been in the house of God, if you've received some oil on your life, it's not just for you to have a beautiful experience in worship. Oh, this is so wonderful. It's actually to take it out and to minister to the next wounded person that you come across. And they are everywhere. There are every, every street, every day, everywhere you go, you're going to find somebody with gashes and wounds, offenses, breakdowns breakups anxieties fears every single human has all these and if you have oil you're able to say listen let me let me let me help you here I can pray for you we can we can just hang out and they will feel the presence of God on you they will feel something different about you and your world they'll say like do you meditate you've got an aura you say, Yeah, I sort of have, you know. He's got a name, though. And you can talk and not just treat people like an evangelistic mission, but actually like a person who's got wounds in their life, and you've got healing oil. You've also got wine, a bit of an anesthetic for the pain, a bit of joy. You're a joyful person. You're not some Christian who's been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> and they are not uncommon. Because the Christian life is serious. It's hard. It's full of trials. Don't you understand? I don't want to buy that kind of life. Even if I do have trials, I can live above them, the Bible says, and rejoice in spite of the difficulties that are coming into my world. So if I can can have oil and wine, I'm going to be a solution to that person. And some bandages, not to expose their wounds, but to actually cover them. Love covers. It ignores a person's wounds and faults. It overlooks them. And then to actually put them in my own car. This guy put them on his donkey and led them back to the inn. We used to, we used to travel sometimes 100 kilometers a night, taking people home from church. After, and we, we would be in the car, banging everything like it, the car was a drum and, uh, and, and singing all the choruses and singing all the worship songs high as a kite in in terms of the Holy Ghost and just just having a blast. Bonding. The secret of deep relationships is shared experience. You got to be there. You can't do it through a screen. That's why being at C3 College is a transformational experience. Doing it online is good. But let me tell you, being there in the presence of God fellowshipping and bonding with fellow students and the lecturers is what transforms a person takes them into their call of god and so here here is this man and he's taken to the inn i believe that inn is the church he brought him to church he brought him to the global presence tour he brought him to sunday night he brought him to sunday morning he brought him to the inn where there's a lot of other people and there's an innkeeper, somebody looking after the place. And he pays him, brings his tithes in the well. He says, hey, I want this place to look after people. When they turn up, I want them to be able to come into an environment where they're cared for and blessed and find purpose and meaning. And then he said, and whatever else it costs, I'll cover that when I come back. That's, that's pretty generous, right? That's like high risk, high risk generosity. He doesn't say up to $3,000, I'll cover that. It could be 100,000, could be any amount, but whatever it is, whatever it takes, I wanna get these people healed. Whatever it takes, we need to get the city healed. Whatever it takes, you and I are gonna see a city touched by the power of God. We are here called by God into this generation not to be the priest of the Levites passing by and ignoring the need. We're meant to apply ourselves and engage. And it's not just the church doing it. It's you and I as individuals reaching out. You know, as I, as I listened to this girl this morning, it was so, such a wonderful story. She said, I met the Lord at Presence last year. And I'll be going to uh, the Grice's connect group. She says, I just love God. I'm having such a good time. Traveling through some difficulties, but I'm going to, it's going to be great, you know. And the, she just was glowing. On the, I mean, I, I thought, that's worth everything. That means the world to me. Because it means this works. This works every week in thousands of people's lives getting transformed. And you and I are part of that. Every day of every week, if we could just reach out to somebody who's hurting or wounded, you might be wanting to watch Netflix. You might, be wa- you might have uh, some other thing that you were going to do. You're going to do a Bible study, but you can do that later. Jesus said, work while you've got the light because there's going to come a time when you don't have the opportunity and you wish you'd done it when you did have the opportunity. So take advantage of every moment and rather than being avoiding it, Say, look, I'm going to lean into what God's called me to do and bless the people right in front of me. Not for my sake, but for their sake. But let me tell you this. When you bless others, you can't avoid getting blessed yourself. That's how it happens. Heavenly Father, here this morning, I pray that you'd fill us with the Spirit of Christ and you would help all of us to live for God and others and not to have ourselves at the centre of our lives, thinking that that's going to fulfil us. I pray Lord Jesus that You would help us discover Jesus in a whole new way as we live for Him. Thanks for listening. You can order any of Pastor Phil's resources at philpringle.com or at c3store.com. We are always encouraged to hear the stories of great decisions you have made and the great things God is doing in your life. So if you have a story to share or if you have a prayer request, please email us at podcast at myc3church.net.